Hey guys, it's Lauren Yates here, celebrity interviewer, entertainment reporter, and the host of this podcast, Rave It Up, celebrity news, reviews, and interviews. If this is the first time you're listening, go check out our show's trailer on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to learn more about us. And make sure to follow us on social media to tell us what else you would like to hear from this podcast. We are under Rave It Up TV on Instagram, Rave It Up Show on Facebook, and our website is raveituptv.com. Now today, we have a chat to actor Peter Anarati, who you may know playing Jack Mumford in the TV show SWAT. We, of course, talk about SWAT and the training for the show, as well as hear about where he would have loved to have seen his character go if he had stayed on the show. Then also we go back to his past and talk about his love for sports, particularly football, and whether he would have loved to have gone down that road as a career. We also talk about working in business with his business administration degree before he got into his improv acting classes and found his love for acting. There's so much to cover today, so let's get into it now. Before we get into today's interview, we would like to give a shout out to our new Patreons, Irene and Bev. If you would like to support us too and receive free and behind the scenes stuff for as little as $4 a month, go check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash rave it up. Now, let's get into the interview. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Raise it all. Hey guys, it's RJ May from Breaking Bad. It's Adam Stavani from Step Up. It's Keegan Allen from Pretty Little Irish. Hi, this is Arthur Buttrose. It's Cosentino. It's Rob Mills. Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up. We're raving it up. Rave it I'm up. having fun. Hashtag Lauren, Rave It Up. Yes. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Thank you, I like that effect. I raving. We're raving it up. Peter, welcome to Rave It Up. It is a pleasure to have you on our show. How are you going today? I'm doing uh, pretty good. Uh, it's starting to cool down here in Los Angeles, so uh, I'm doing fine. Oh, well, we're really, really cold here. It's like getting to the end of winter. So I'm a bit oh, jealous right. of the nice weather over there. Well, you know what? It, listen, it, LA is a tough place to live right now. Yeah. Well, I think anywhere in the world right now with COVID is a bit challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I just read something on, on my CNN website about the, uh, the oceans really changing on the East Coast where I grew up, you know, on the Atlantic Ocean. And there's some real... And it's 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 going to be a real problem. It's going to change the weather. Oh, oh. thank you yeah. for updating me. I hadn't read. Yeah, that I, I know you didn't want to go there yet. <laughs> yeah, let's start going into all all world's problems. <laughs> let's not go to climate change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're back in lockdown here in Sydney, unfortunately, up until the end of the month. So. Oh wow. Just- yeah, we we just had a we just had a mask mandate again, and uh, the gyms are requiring it. You know, so which is fine with me because. Uh, I just don't want to work out in my cellar anymore. Yes. Well, we're exactly the same. I think everyone's sick of working out at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is great to have you on as well because uh, just last week or the week before, I had uh, Kenny Johnson, your SWAT co-star, on. Oh, so great. So it would be good to kind of get your take on the show as well a little later on sure. in the interview. <laughs> sure. That's, that's fine. Kenny's a great guy. He sure is. And he said, I'd have so much fun with you too. So I can already see we're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, Since this is your first time on our show, though, I'd love to actually start from the beginning, if that's okay, to get a good idea of how you've made it to where you are today. I had a really good, nice read of your biography on your website and just had a jolly good time reading it. I was like, what? (laughs) 
what hasn't this guy achieved? He's amazing. <laughs> but in your uh, early years, I did hear that, you know, you got into trouble at a Catholic school up until you like fifth grade. So why do you think that was? Were you just a bit of the class clown and you just wanted to be funny? I think growing up short, uh, you know, like one of the smallest guys in the class, I had to develop my own personal social skills or sociology. Yeah. Part of that was being class clown. But this in particular was an incident that I found out years later that I was right about. And um, what, it, what it involved was, see, Boonton, New Jersey, where I grew up, is a beautiful small town outside New York City, about 20 miles on a hilltop. In fact, you can see the New York skyline from where my house was. Oh, nice. And in between there, of course, is Hoboken and Jersey City and, you know, kind of citified city little places. And a, a, a nun had come to our Catholic school, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, from Hoboken. So she was used to kind of city kids, you know, and um, she was Irish in a town that was mostly Italian and Polish. OK, so it was St. Patrick's Day and she had us singing all these Irish songs. And I don't know who told me this at 11 years old or whatever it is that you are in fifth grade. But I knew that St. Patrick was Italian. He was Roman. Oh. So I raised my hand and I said, well, since we sang all these Irish songs, how about since St. Patrick was Italian, we sing some Italian songs. And she sent me up to the 225 pound principal who had smacked me up two flights of stairs a year before. <laughs> <laughs> and she told my parents that I stood on my desk and I threw my hands up in the air and I said, come on, let's sing some Italian songs. So my father, who had graduated from this same school, uh, brought me into a meeting. And the uh, first thing that, that, that happened that was great and one of the best things my mother ever did in my entire uh, years of schooling, she called all the goody-goody girls in class and she said, what happened? And she goes, well, Peter raised his hand and, um, you know, a sister called on him and he said, well, since St. Patrick was Italian, let's sing some Italian songs. So they lied to my parents. They, we got in a big fight and boom, the next day I walked literally down the hill one block to public school and got the crap beat out of me because I was a Catholic school kid. Oh, sorry to hear that. So I had to re-socialize. <laughs> A lot. And, and yeah, a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, but it was the best thing. I really think that Catholic school stunted my growth, both physically, emotionally. And so, uh, you know, I extended what I consider to be my class clown skills <laughs> and uh, tried to become an athlete. You know, did my first push ups and sit ups and really tried to compete with the kids that I was about to get in a fight with all the time. There's a great story. At that time, my, my hometown, there was an influx of Southerners. It was not a lot of work in the Southeast. And so they came up uh, to my town, which is a very industrial town. So, you know, they were new, uh, but they were cliquish as well. And there was one guy that used to beat me up every day on the side of Patsy's Delicatessen. His name was Craig. Okay. Just don't remember so, his name. <laughs> oh, I remember his full name. I'm not giving it for full disclosure, but um, but I will give uh, another name. So one day, 
uh, you know, walking home from school on the side of Patsy's Delicatessen, Italian Deli, Craig gets me and he's starting to beat me up a little bit. And I slide down from where I was to the ground. And I didn't want to look up. He stopped hitting me. And I didn't want to look up because I thought I'd get hit in the face. And he just stopped. And all of a sudden, I turned. Now, you got to remember, I was in fifth grade. Craig was in sixth grade. And that's all that this particular school went to. We went to another school after. I turn, and there's a pair of sixth grade spike heels, black stockings with a hole in them, and a run going up to a leather skirt. And it was this woman, this sixth grade woman, Liz Chazar, and she had Craig up against the wall by his high roll shirt. She said, don't you ever touch him again. Wow. And he oh, never wow. did. And he never did. And I don't know if it's because he was afraid she'd beat him up or maybe she cut him off from sex. I don't know. In sixth grade. But <laughs> that's the way Who things were. <laughs> Who knows? You women know? have the influence a little bit. <laughs> yes, they do. They do. Oh, you kidding me? Women have all the influence. You know? <laughs> there we go. We heard it from Peter as, uh, ourselves. <laughs> so that was it. That's how I, that's how I got to public school. Yeah. yeah. So obviously it's exactly what you needed. And obviously getting yeah. into sports as well. You're a standout on the football field. Yeah. And you did also sign up to play in the World Football League, made it to the last cut, but unfortunately right. was sent home. Is that something else you wanted to do as a career or were you a little bit that's afraid all that, I wanted you know, to... an injury that's... could end it all? <laughs> well, that's all I wanted to do. In fact, I went to a great little school called Lycoming College in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It was a Division three school because I knew that I would play and possibly stand out there. And Division three at the time, the smaller schools, uh, they weren't allowed to give athletic scholarships. So you were there playing for the love of the game. You weren't there paid to play. Yeah. Um, and there were some people actually from my division and my conference who went to the pros at the time. So I thought that would be the best. I, instead of going to a big place, like I was thinking about University of Miami, I was thinking about some other places. Instead of trying trying to make those teams, I knew that I could make this one and excel. And I thought that'd be a greater path. And it, it turned out to be right in that I, I got a try out at least. Yeah. Uh, I signed a free agent contract and, uh, and then got cut. But yes, that's what I wanted to do. That's one of the, that's probably the only reason I went to college uh, was to play football. And uh, I was supposed to wrestle. I was a high school wrestler, kind of a standout there too. But I used to lose weight every year. I used to lose 20 to 30 pounds wow. between football and wrestling. And as a freshman, I, I, I played varsity football. So I didn't want to wrestle anymore. I didn't want to lose weight. And uh, so that was, yeah, that was my, that was what I really wanted to do. And, uh, and then when I got cut, I ended up playing in semi-professional leagues around New York City and, you know, traveling to Pennsylvania and New York State. And that was a mess. These teams had no, it was a great team. It was called the Boonton Bears. And uh, great team. We had great fun, but there was no insurance. And if you were doing well in a game, you'd end up in a pileup and you'd feel somebody twisting your ankle just to get you out of the game. And, oh. and I sort of thought, yeah, this is not where I need to be. Yeah, <laughs> you know? don't need to be scared and have to be always yeah. checking behind your back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I went back for my MBA uh, and, uh, you know, a few years later, I received my MBA and was I spent 12 years in the business world um, 
between mostly between t- two big companies. Uh, I, I jumped around in retailing. I, I sold menswear. I ran a menswear store. Did a bunch of things like that, and I, I, I ran a disco. But the most of the time I spent, I spent uh, working for Ford Motor Company in their export division. Yeah. And I was then about that. after I got laid off from there, I went and I had done my master's thesis on a magazine that McCall's published, and uh, so I presented my thesis. And they hired me. Uh, it was McCall's Working Mother. So I was in charge of Working Mother and three other magazines as the marketing and research director. Wow. So I, you know, all in all, I spent 12 years in the business world. And uh, during the last four years, when I was at McCall's in the city, Park Avenue office, all that good stuff, I uh, hooked up with this little uh, improvisational comedy group. Uh, I, I had been done with my MBA. I felt like I needed some creative outlet. So uh, these people were all great. I have them all on my wall up here and everything. Uh, none of them were actors. One was uh, a, 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 in, uh, he was a Harvard uh, economist for Prudential Beige. Another woman was a, an art director of Fortune Magazine. Another woman worked for the Rockefeller Foundation. Another guy who became my stand-up partner ran his father's ball bearing distributorship in Queens. Another guy was uh, uh, at Sloan Kettering in, in cancer research. So nobody had an agenda about being an actor. And it was a great group because we all kind of were pure improvisers. We had, again, we had no agenda to stand out. We learned how to improvise. And I ended up sending to the guy who ran the group, who was at the time a stand-up comic and mostly a, a bartender, I ended up sending people from ad agencies to take his improv class because improvisation, that's really my own, my only training. Uh, I don't have really any acting training, but improvisation is one of the best trainings for life because you are taught to heighten and explore each moment in a positive direction. Mm. Whatever you're given, you're taking, you take that and you make that better. And what could be better for, for advertising meetings and all this other stuff that, you know, and the world of business than to take what you're given and make it better, you know? Yeah, definitely. Is it so, true that you started that improv class because you kind of dared your girlfriend at the time or your girlfriend dared you, sorry, to do it? Yes. My, yes. <laughs> my girlfriend. Story. Yeah. My girlfriend who worked <clears throat> at McCall's for Working Mother, she was the art director at the time. She was from my hometown in New Jersey. We've been dating for three or four years. And uh, every, fri- every other Friday night, we would go to, um, to the stand-up clubs. And those are the times when, when Jerry Seinfeld was headlining, Joe Piscopo, all those guys in the early 80s were the headliners. So we'd be riding back on the bus at night to New Jersey. And I'd say, you know, I think I could do that. And she got so sick and tired of hearing me say that that she bought me a one night stand class in comedy. And it happened to be that the guy who ended up starting the group uh, was in that class. And he said to me, you should, you should do this. I go, no, I'm not, I'm not an actor. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And so I didn't do it for a while. And then I decided, yeah, you know, I really like to try it. And we ended up performing in all the pardon expression shitholes in New York city, you know, little places and having the best time. And then um, a woman came into the group from another group that had been disbanded. 
that was Jeanette Collins. And she ended up directing the group. And so I was still at McCall's. Uh, and uh, one, one thing happened. I was, I had some of my research published in Advertising Age, the trade publication. And um, I started getting calls from big pa uh, package goods firms like P&G and Bronfman and everybody. And they uh, wanted to steal me away because of my work. So I went into my boss. Now I worked with 15 women. Two were my superiors and 13 were at my same level. I got more penis birthday cakes than you could ever imagine. Okay. <laughs> so, I didn't expect you to go there. <laughs> no, well, that's, you know, that's what they, you know, and it, these days now that would be, that would constitute harassment. Right. So, so, uh, so I went into my boss and I said, um, you know, people are trying to steal me away. Maybe we can fix something on bonus, you know, so she got mad at me and started to make my life miserable. And then uh, I was dating Jeanette at the time. I had broken up with my previous girlfriend, or she broke up with me, as was the case in all my life before. And um, Jeanette said, well, I think you could be an actor. And at the time, she had four jobs in New York. I said, oh, so I could starve and have four jobs like you? Yes. And, <clears throat> so uh, when I finally took the ice pack off my eye after she hit me, um, I was about to say, what well, changed your mind? Oh, okay. <laughs> I walked into my boss's office and I said, uh, you know what? I I'm, leaving, I'm leaving you a 200-page research booklet that all you have to do is update. I'm going to leave. I'll be out of here Monday. And I left and I took a crash course in commercials because I felt as an improviser that I could sustain a character for 30 seconds. I had no acting, no acting training. And so within a week, I was on hold for my first commercial. Within two years, um, I was on the last season of Kate and Allie, my first big TV job and was making money in commercials. And, and I got Goodfellas that same year, you know. It's, it's great that you took that leap of faith. Like, I'm actually going to put 110% of my energy into this and see where well, it goes. And it, it was seems like the women in your life knew the best for you. Well, they, they always do. It's, it's always a fight, but they always do. But it was, it was a great leap of faith. And, 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 but it wasn't as much a leap of faith as most actors have. Because yeah. I had a great career I could have gone back to. I had money in the bank. I owned my house. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have to take four jobs like Jeanette did at the time, you know. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that happened was another actress friend of mine, she said, my boss wants to meet you. This guy ran uh, an independent marketing consulting firm. And he said, man, you have this expertise in the women's market that I really want. So I'll tell you what. And this is, you're talking like 1986. He said, I will pay you to do this. You come in and meet with Procter & Gamble and Bronfman and all these, meet with their uh, their product managers, discuss new market niches they want to be in. And then you promise me another couple of hours at home and you come in the next day with new product ideas to fit those niches and I'll pay you $500 a day. Nice. In 1986. Yeah, so right. as an actor, I could work four days a month and pay all my expenses. You know, so, I mean, it was the 12 years before that gave me uh, the ability to make that leap of faith, you know, and uh. it also 
also the other thing that was interesting is that everybody who pursues acting from when they get out of high school or college or whatever, they have to take all kinds of jobs to support their career to, to, so that they can pay rent and do what they, I had jobs and I existed with people in those jobs who were the exact people that I was about to play for the next 20 years, professionals, lawyers, you know, uh, uh, you know, executives. I, I was that. So I didn't have to study anybody. I had already lived it, you know? Hey guys, it's RJ May from Breaking Bad. Adam Savani from Step Up. Bryce Johnson from Pretty Little Liars. It's Rob Mills. Todd McKenney with Lauren Yates on Rave It Up. These celebrities are sharing a message of hope and inspiring the younger generation in our new book, Knowing What I Know Now. This is filled with 70 quotes from your favorite celebrities on what they would tell their 14-year-old selves. A book filled with amazing advice to help you chase your dreams or help you deal with bullying or depression. It is available worldwide as a paperback or ebook version. Go to raveituptv.com to buy your copy now. There is even an audiobook version coming very soon. Did you know we filmed this interview? Well, come on over to our YouTube channel, Rave It Up TV. You can subscribe for free. And here's a little secret. We like to reward our active subscribers with autographed photos and merchandise, no matter where you are in the world. So don't forget to give us a thumbs up while you're there and get busy sharing the videos with your friends. And do you think also with your business administration degree, do you think that's kind of helped with your acting now? Because, you know, you're obviously doing your acting, but there's always that whole business side of things as well you've got to take care of. Well, it did initially because, as I said, I thought, well, I'm not going to make any money as an actor, but except maybe in commercials. Mm. And I started making great money. I was making more money than I was as a Park Avenue executive my first year just in commercials, you know. And so I marketed myself in that niche. I didn't hold myself out as some actor studio actor, you know, which both Jeanette and I are in the actor studio now. But I I was, you know, no method. I just I just was who I was. And people were hiring me for that. And by the way, in 1986, you're going to laugh at this. You might not even know some of these people, uh, except for that you're, you're media savvy. But the stereotypes for commercials when I first got in that they were looking for were Bruce Willis, Bruce Springsteen, Tony Danza, and Billy Joel. Yep. I know all those. <laughs> I got a, I got a piece of each, as they say, you yes. know? <laughs> uh, and so that, you know, so the timing was right, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, that was, uh, that was how everything started, you know? And, and uh, I studied a little bit with some, with uh, some friends, uh, Peter Flood and his wife, uh, Lily Parker at the time, were members of the actor's studio. I think I studied with them for about a year, but I started working, so I had no more time to study. Then we got married and uh, moved out here while I was still doing Kate and Allie in New York, so I had to fly back. Yes, I heard about that. (laughs) When you're expecting your first child, too. (laughs) Yep, yep. Oh, that would have been stressful. Did you get back in time? I did get back in time. Okay, he good. was a little bit late, and uh, <laughs> but that was the whole thing about the uh, about the callback for Scorsese. I think you heard that story, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, when Sonny, my oldest Sebastiano, we call him Sonny, was due that Monday, there was a callback. I had a two thirty flight out of JFK on Friday, and I had a twelve thirty callback for Scorsese in uh, Rockville Center. 
Yes, and so. you got it. So thank God it yeah, all panned exactly. out. Yeah, yeah. So you did so. mention, obviously, within the two years, you got Kate and Ali. But how long do you think you were doing like your improv classes for before even getting those gigs? Because they always say, you know, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And I love just sharing with the audience how much hard work is actually involved before you get that. Well, I was doing, I started doing improv. Let's see, I got my MBA in 1980. So I would say I started doing improv in, in 81 or 82. Uh, was still at McCall's. I started at McCall's in 1980. And I left McCall's in 85. So I've been doing, you know, at least four years of improv, you know, just having fun with it. And, uh, you know, and then, like I said, I left, I left about 85 or 86 to become an actor. Yeah, and still we're still do doing it. it. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't it. I wasn't doing it to be an actor. I, you know, I was doing it because it was wonderful and creative and, and, you, you know, and, and, you know, in a great way to live, you know, yeah. you know, great. I love bringing you down memory lane. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And for those who don't now know, throughout your career, you've been on huge shows, like just to name a few, you've got This Is Us, 24, Desperate Housewives, The Mentalist, Cold Case, Las Vegas, Sexist City, Big Bang Theory, Mum, like so many amazing shows, love them all. <laughs> How yeah. have you continued to land such huge shows? Obviously, your talent just really, really helps and you're such an amazing actor. But do you think it also comes down to, say, like the agent that you have that tells you about think, these auditions? I think, yeah, I, I think you can never really tell why. I, I think one of the things great that happened to me that made me a more known commodity to get hired for some of these things versus somebody else walking in the offices. When I got here to Los Angeles, my mentor, may he rest in peace, Stephen Botchko made a leading man out of me. I had two series for him, uh, one with Mario Hemingway, where I was the lead. So people saw me, I got exposure. And as soon as I left Botchko's employ, I went right away and did a short-lived sitcom. So people got to see that I could do both. Yeah. And I, I think I think I might have been on their radar because of that. And so I think the thing is when my managers or my agents would call to submit me, they'd say either, oh yeah, I know him. He's he's not right for this. Or oh, I know him. Can he do comedy? And my agents would say, he started a comedy, he started in Kate and Al, he started an improv. He had his own, you know, sitcom, you know. So so there was a discussion at a level there, I believe, that a lot of other people, uh, their agents didn't have, you know. And uh, so that may have been part of it. And then when you work in this town and you get to know certain producers, like there are certain things that I still had, like a, a big bank theory, I still had to audition for that, you know. Uh, Mom, I didn't have to. Chuck Lorre, same producer. You know, it was an offer. Uh, so some things are offers. And, and now with the way the business is, most things everybody has to audition for. I'm friends with Mike Farrell, historic, iconic actor, you know, from MASH and all the other shows that he's done. And Mike and I became friends because we were on the board of Screen Actors Guild together a while back. And I, I was walking out of an audition a couple of years ago. And this one guy looked at me, he goes, what are you doing here? What are you doing auditioning? You should have offers. I go, oh, no, man, we're actors. This is what we do. And I said, if you don't believe me, Mike Farrell had an audition 
for a CSI last week. I said, <laughs> and you, you can't get any bigger in television than my Yeah, Farrell, and they sure you know who that is. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and of course, casting changes. People are younger now. They don't know my work and stuff. So you just got to, you know, be comfortable with the fact that you're going to, auditioning is part of the job, you know. And when I coach people, you know, I, I, I sometimes coach, I said, listen, you know, there are basically three people that you go into an audition with. You go with you, the professional, right? The actor, you go with you, the person um, who's been in the business for a while. Right. Yeah. And you go in with the character that you're trying to play in the audition. Mm -hmm. I've gone into auditions and people will say, oh, I loved your work on this. I said, oh, okay. Hey, and then I go into another audition, a producer that I work with before say, how are the kids? How are your boys? And I'm like, yeah, I want to get to the third one. I don't want that other stuff. I want to get there to do what I did. But those are the things you have to prepare. Yeah. You know, uh, you have to prepare to negotiate those three things in order to get there to do what you want to do. You know, you can't just go in and go, okay, I'm the character now. I'm already engaged yes. in it. Like, yes. don't talk to me. I just want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that stuff doesn't play very often. No, you know? <laughs> <laughs> gotta be, you gotta do it all right. Yeah. You have to market yourself. Yeah. Gotta have you know? many faces as they would say. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know? So we're starting off in comedy and you know, there's been a lot of things you've been in lately that are more like drama. I think yeah. the big question is, what do you prefer? Is comedy still the first love? <laughs> I actually, that's a hard one. I, if, if, if I was, I, I have to put it in, frame it like this. As a regular on a drama versus a regular on a sitcom, mm. I prefer drama. Ah, interesting. Because when you're the lead on a sitcom, and you watch this, even, even look back at Seinfeld, the iconic show. Mm. When you're a lead, you don't get the, the laughs. The laughs are everybody around you. You lay track all the That's time. And, and when you're doing a sitcom, they change the script the night before you go in front of an audience. Now, you get changes in a drama, but you're not on every day, you know, and it all doesn't come down to one thing. And I like... I like the idea that there's a character. I, I have more time to create a character history and make it personal in a drama. Yeah. In a sitcom, you are at the mercy of the writers. You, their vision is what's important because it's so quick yeah. to get to the laughs. It's set up, punchline, set up, punchline. I'll give you an example. I have my, my, my sitcom, Joe's Life, right? And they wrote me this really funny scene where I take my daughter to the gynecologist for the first time. I sit down next to this woman. She screams. I think it's me. I get up and I move, right? Then I pick up this pamphlet on the uterus. And I'm looking at it. And I'm talking to this woman next to me. I go, geez, no matter how you look at it, it looks like it's staring you in the face, right? <laughs> Put that down, right? I move. I go sit down next to this woman. Her name was Claire Berger. She was actually the warm-up person, but she was a little heavier. And I say, uh, so what do you do? She goes, I'm not pregnant. Ha ha ha, fat joke, right? <laughs> well, now, this was a sitcom about an Italian guy in New Jersey. And it was written by all, mostly Jewish guys. The guy that ran the show, you know. And each ethnic background has its own song to it. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether you're doing a drama or whether you're doing specifically when you're doing a comedy, right? So the whole week I go, blah, 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 blah. I sit down. So when do you do? And I'm not pregnant, right? So we get in front of the audience and I do it that way, right? So the showrunner comes over and goes, can we do just one more? And I call my friend over who's playing my brother, George Vicenzo. Again, rest in peace. And I said, George, watch this. Sit down. The woman screams. I sit down. The uterus pamphlet. I sit down. I go, so when do you do? And that's the one they printed. (laughs) Because that is a Judeo-American rhythm for that joke. You know? That's really good. and it's really, and, and that's, you know, I did the same thing. I had a problem with Rob Reiner. I did a pilot for Rob Reiner. And <laughs> I, I won't tell you the whole story, but um, it was, it wasn't in front of a, it was a comedy, but it wasn't in front of an audience. So the director uh, cuts after this one scene and he walks over to Rob and Rob's going so much for the other. So much. Yeah. So the director comes back over and I go, so much for the other half of the glass, right? He goes, oh, you heard what he was saying? I said, yes, you just tell them if they want the Italo-American or the Judeo-American reading to tell me what they want and I'll give it to them, you know? But so so comedy is hard. Uh, I, um, so is like drama. a specific way you say it. Yeah, yeah. Because, again, because the vision, you know, I think drama is a little more collaborative because if you're a regular on a drama series like I was for Bochco, they start out a certain way. But the brilliance of Stephen Bochco and all his writers, Billy Finkelstein, who basically wrote all my characters, is that they hear what you can do and they start to write to your strengths. Yeah. So you have their brilliance under the umbrella of your strengths, you know. And it was the same thing, you know, sort of with SWAT in the beginning, you know, uh, uh, my character was the old man, you know, and uh, and it's the first time I ever played the old man. It was great, you know, except for that I went off after the first season. I wish I'd stayed on a couple more seasons. Hey, but strong old man, that's a great yeah, character. Yeah, there to you play. go. That's the, not yeah. the fragile old man. <laughs> no, no, but that doesn't get me to house in Italy. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you know, Sean Ryan and Aaron Rashawn Thomas, they have great ears. They wrote for cable, they, you know, so they knew, you know, they knew what I needed. They knew to, what, they knew what I could do that would help their script and what I could give to Shamar by giving Shamar crap all the time, yeah. how that would work, you know? And, and so that, that's a great thing about working with great writers, you know? And, and again, on sitcoms, they, there's not that collaboration because they see the jokes, they have the rhythms in their heads, you know? Um, Drama can be hard when you're doing like Boston Legal or my show, Civil Wars, when you have to do a summation in court that's two pages, you know. But it's if you make it personal and you're in character, it's so wonderful. These things go through you. They just flow through you. One time, Mike Robin, who was a great show creator, was on Bochco shows but became a great producer. I did this one scene. He goes man, where did you go? I go, I don't know. I said, was it all right? He goes, oh no, it was great. He goes, I just, where did you go? I go, I don't remember, you know? And it was, and that's what's beautiful. 
that's what's beautiful about being an actor. Um, and, 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 and for me, I guess, I, and I hate this, I don't need to say this in, in any sort of an egotistical way, but I think it's something I was meant to be because I'm a storyteller. Whenever I'm in a group of people, my old friends, I just went back to co a college reunion. I hold on. I say things to my friends. They go, oh, my God, you remember that? How the hell do you remember these things? I said to my old girlfriend, hey, this happened the other day. And I thought she goes, what? How does your brain work? I said, but the idea for me is that I have a catalog in my soul and in my mind of all the successes and defeats and all the greatest joy and all the deepest hurts. And they're all in there still. And I guess this was the only place that they could be allowed to come out, yeah. you know? And it's, I can just see you're so passionate about it too. So that, that is definitely how I know you're supposed to do this for the rest of yeah. your life. Yeah. Like, oh, it's great that you did find it. You know, a lot of people go through their whole yeah. life without finding what they love to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, it's true. And, and, you know, and it was like all basically on a dare, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The so great you know in your life you found. <laughs> Did you know Rave It Up Now has a private Facebook group where we give away regular prizes and you get to have a sneak peek at what we're up to? You'll get to see some fun behind-the-scenes action and can be part of the interview process yourself, just like a real journalist. So come join us and share your passion for entertainment with all of our other fans. Just search Rave It Up Community on Facebook and we look forward to getting to know you. Do you love the world of entertainment? And do you love writing? Well, you could be perfect to join Rave It Up. We are currently looking for talented new writers to write for our website, raveituptv.com. You must speak fluent English and be passionate about everything entertainment, from celebrities to movies and music. If you're interested, please email us at info at raveituptv.com. Well, I sure. think we should talk about SWAT a little bit more too. It is sure, sure. One of my all-time favorite shows, by the way. Oh, great. You did so amazing as Jeff Mumford. I really want to know because there's been – you already. Oh, by the way, it. let me yeah. correct you. It's that They put out the – it's Jack Mumford. And the only reason I want I want to make sure is that is while I was doing SWAT, uh, they originally named the character Jeff, but it hadn't been spoken. Yeah. And my, my father-in-law, Jack Collins, passed away. And I went to Sean and I said, hey, listen. Mumford's a bad enough name. Yeah. Jeff Mumford is really lame. Can I have Jack or Butch or something? Yeah. <laughs> so they gave me Jack and I dedicated the character to my, my father-in-law. So that's why I, I know. And I don't mean to do that. I just wanted to. No, know that's so lovely. Jack Mumford, you know? Hey, if you didn't, if you didn't uh, butt in, I would never have heard that story. So right. that's really so nice. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Thank you very much for sharing that. <laughs> But there's so much training for that show, as I've heard a little bit from uh, Kenny Johnson, and he puts up, you know, little videos on his Instagram of what they yeah. have to go through. Was that something you were immediately good at, or was that one of the most difficult parts of the job for you? For me, it was wonderful. Most fun uh, you can know, have as an actor uh, without being a cop, right? <laughs> no, man, I just, I was like, they called me and they said, um, you have to show up for training. I go, really? Training? I said, what do I wear? You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, our technical guy, Otis, uh, um, Odie um, Gallup, uh, we became friends because he was part of Mumford's uh, team. 
whenever you saw Mumford's team, Odie was there. He's still oh, on the cool. show. And uh, Odie was great at training us and his, and you know, the other uh, SWAT guy, I've forgotten his name. Um, great guy. Um, and it was great. It was, it was, you know, when you learn something, when you learn something like that, it's just amazing, you know, to be able to come in and sweep a room and, and, and it's, and it is training. It's training physically because the postures that you use, the way you approach a room, the slowness, your muscles, it's like, it's like doing yoga or, or a, a workout. It's yeah. really, when we trained, it was a hundred degrees when we were training out in Santa Clarita Valley those first couple of weeks. And, uh, and it was great, oh, man. I just, I loved it. And, and, uh, I loved knowing that cause I come from cops. My uncle was the chief of police in my hometown and I have, you know, cousins and, and everybody that were detectives, you know, they were all, you know, wow. so I come from, uh, from cop. Down that path. <laughs> well, there you go. The only reason my uncle became a cop was because my father told him to, my father was, a, a, you know, and my uncle, went in and became a, a patrolman and then moved up to detective and ended up becoming chief, you know? So, uh, wow. so it was, you know, it was the right thing. Your blood anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Wow. So, you know, and that's, and that's what I play, but it, the, the training was, was amazing. And not just the physical part of it, but to understand the tactical uh, part of it and, uh, and how a team moves in a stick, you know, or, you know, and, and, you know, give me a two, always, you know, the, always somebody behind you. And, and to the point where I know Kenny does this and I did it all the time. And a lot of directors got pissed off at me. But if they wanted me to do a certain move, I would call Odie over and I'd say, is this OK? You know, That's and he would go, thing. well, it be realistic. yes. And we want to pay tribute. That's why we train so hard. We want to pay tribute to these SWAT officers and, and how hard the job really is you know and and how technique and and tactics are 80 percent of the job you know Absolutely. um and so it was great and uh and by the way i wasn't i actually wasn't supposed to play mumford i wasn't i i uh, i was in new york uh doing something and uh i had auditioned for buck Interesting. And, I can't see it was Buck now. <laughs> and my good friend Louis Ferrer got got Buck. And I was in New York and my agents and managers called me and said, listen, I hadn't read the script. I had just read the, you know, the scenes for Buck when I went in. And I figured I didn't get it, so I took off a week later. So I'm in New York and they said, they called and they said, Hey, um, can you get someplace to take these scenes for ja for Mumford? And I said, no, <laughs> I said it's five o'clock in the afternoon. My agency's closed almost, and I don't I have the size. I I wouldn't want to test with only an hour's preparation for something. Yeah. So uh, I can try and do something tomorrow. And they go, no, 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 no. Uh, wait a minute, we'll call you back. So they called me back and they said, okay, look, they're going to use the tapes of your audition for Buck to test against these other guys who are testing for Mumford. I said, okay, tell them I said, thanks. You know, I had no idea. Two hours later, they called me and they said, okay, you got the job. You have to be back tomorrow. I went, oh, we, I, I didn't even go back to New Jersey to see my parents. I went right to Kennedy airport and flew home uh, to do the reading of the script the next day. 
So uh, wow. Mumford was a great was a great blessing all the way around. You know, that sounds like very stressful though. <laughs> Got to be there right yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? I could have said like like some actors would have said, "Oh no, 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 no." I'll fly back on Monday. I'm not going to make it to the reading. But they went out of their way to test, you know, my tapes against, which were a completely different character, yeah, against yeah. people who were testing for the character. So I felt I, I owed him that, you know. I felt that it was, you know, the best that I could do. You know? Dedication. Good job, Peter. <laughs> yeah. And where would you have liked to have seen your character go? Is there something else, someone, something else that you would have liked to have seen him do? Or well, in speaking with, longer, but <laughs> yeah, in speaking with Odie, he said that the original reason they they hired my character was because these teams give each other crap all the time. Mm. They're always on each other's, and me being old and by the book and Shamar being new and young and, you know, outside the norms would have was fertile ground to continue, you know? Uh, um, and Odie said, Oh man, you would be busting his chops about having a girl on his team. And, yeah. and, you know, and they did that one episode with Lena and I, which Lena, <clears throat> Lena and Stephanie and I are pr pretty close. They're, they're the people I'm closest to except for Alex Russell. Your yeah. uh, your countryman Alex and Alex was just over here over spring for uh, you know for dinner with his uh, girlfriend Diana and oh, yeah, nice. <clears throat> so I would like to have seen that play continue because if you think about it and I don't mean this because I want the job I do want the job but there is nobody in that cast now with the gravitas that Mumford had that could challenge Hondo. That's he has true. to take orders from Hicks. He had to take orders from Stephanie's character. Everybody else is below him. There's, you know, and it, would, and it gives, it gives Shamar another color to have to deal with that. So that's, if it were to continue, that's, I would like for it to have continued in the same way and to, to really use that gravitas that Mumford has accumulated in his career to keep poking at, at, at Hondo to say, we don't do things that way, man. And, you know, and, and Hondo to point out, well, the way you do things isn't working, you know, yeah. or, you know, so I'm going to do it this way. It that to be comedy too. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's the thing. It's like the last thing he says to me, take care, old man. And I turn around, and I walk out, and I go, oh man, you know, <laughs> that's the kind of stuff you don't have now, you know? Mm. So and watching think, it since you left? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And then I got they they gave me that great episode to come back with uh, Hicks and I following up an, an old a cold case and stuff. I loved that one. But but SWAT is, I mean, and Shamar says this all the time. It's his dream job. SWAT is a dream job. It's like anybody who wanted to be an actor or when they were a kid, any boy that I knew wanted to be a cop or a cowboy, you know, or you know. Or you get to corporate both. Yeah, yeah. What a dream come true. Yeah. So. Who do you think out of the cast could easily be a real SWAT officer? I think Kenny is probably the closest because Kenny is raw. He's he's raw talent, raw emotion, raw. I think Kenny would probably be, and he's probably you know he knows he's a world champion. Uh, arm oh, wrestler. wrestler yeah and 
he has he has some good fighting training and stuff. But I, I think Kenny has the skill set that's closest to a real SWAT guy. Yeah, I think Alex could do it because Alex is a hard worker and he mm. trains, you know, uh, and even, you know what, I, 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 you know, so if we're going to go like first, second, third, I, I mean, I think that, uh, um, David Lynn could do it too. I think, uh, yeah. Samar could do everything. That's, you know, Samar is, he trains hard. He, he, I mean, Samar is a, a given, you know, uh, but I think a real SWAT officer, you know, Kenny probably is the closest. Yeah, it's funny. Kenny had the exact same answer. <laughs> he's like, well, me, but if he's like, yeah. if I had to choose someone other than me, it'd probably be Shamar. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just thought that was yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, well, yeah. if anybody hasn't watched that show yet, please go do so. It's an incredible yeah. show. In this day and age, we're surrounded by technology and electricity all the time, like our phones and laptops, phone and radio towers. Wi-Fi, electric power lines, and the appliances in our home. Do you know that these could be damaging your health because of the electromagnetic radiation coming off them? When I found Orgone Effects though and bought their products, I immediately noticed a difference. I started sleeping better and was even calmer and not always high in adrenaline. Orgone Effects has over 20 years experience in developing products to neutralize the harmful effects of EMRs. I have six of their products myself now, and I could not recommend them highly enough. These products last a lifetime too, so you only have to buy them once. Go check out their website, orgoneffectsaustralia.com.au. That is O-R-G-O-N-E effectsaustralia.com.au. And type in the coupon code RAVEITUP at checkout. For those who don't know, you have mentioned as well, just previously, your wife is in the industry as well. She's an actor and a writer and even wrote an episode of Will and Grace in 2001. I love that show. Didn't know that yeah, yeah, I did yeah. my research. Yeah. Do you think it helps having someone, you know, that you're obviously in a relationship with that understands and knows the industry really, really well and you can I kind think, of, I guess, practice and memorize scripts together? <laughs> well, I, I think it really does help. Um, we don't do any work together. We wrote one thing together and that was it. We don't do, she has a partner. Jeanette has a partner, Mimi Friedman that she's had. She met in her first improv group in New York. So she's known Mimi longer than she's wow. known me. And they have been on all those shows. They were on big love. They were on, you know, they haven't done any acting, but mostly writing, producing for the last 30 years. So I think the greatest thing about being an actor and living with a producer is that I get to tell her when she's bring a, being a producer jerk and she gets me to, to tell me when she, I'm being an actor jerk. So you have <laughs> both lenses, you know, of, of the business in one household, you know, yeah. and it's, it's very valuable, you know, because there are some times when it's like there's a business decision that I need to make. And maybe my ego gets in the way, or maybe it really is that this producer is a real asshole, you know, yep. and Jeanette will say, Oh no, that, that, that guy's a real jerk, you know, tell him to take a, take a hike or, Oh no, you're being, you know, you're being a jerk here. Just take the job and blah, 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 you know? And uh, so it's great to have those two perspectives for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. I just wanted to ask that quickly. 
Hopefully, maybe we can have Jeanette on the show one day. It would be great to talk yeah, to her about her career, too. Great. She'd be great, yeah. Yeah, she's working on something right now. Um, her and Mimi are in development for something for NBC International uh, that if it goes, you know, uh, uh, they may end up going to London to film it. It's a Victorian novel. Uh, so I won't give you the title or anything until we see how far it goes. Yeah, yeah I'm sure but, you're not uh, allowed to tell me, but <laughs> you know, but they they've been uh, they've been doing well for a long time, you know. Well, keep us updated. Be yeah. great to hear about it. Yeah. And even though you've already achieved so much in your career, Peter, what else can we expect from you in the future? Have you got some more stuff lined up we don't know about? I I I don't have anything lined up in terms of acting. Um, Just enjoying some time off. Finally. I, well, maybe you know. I mean, I'll go to work with if they you know if they want me. Um, I wrote a play um, that. Uh, I presented to the actor's studio and they admitted me to the playwright director's unit based on that work. So I would like to get that play produced. Um, I have, I, I hesitate to say this because, you know, there's, there was an old joke in the fifties that everybody pumping gas out here in Hollywood was an actor. Well, that joke has evolved to every actor has a script, but uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, I have written uh, a couple of scripts that I have pitched with some big guns, people who were executive producers of 24 and, uh, and so on. So uh, I'm, I might keep pitching. If, if big people like that come on board with my projects, I will keep pitching. I'm not going to go in by myself anymore because I used to, and people, because they knew me as an actor would let me in the door and they would love my idea, but it basically had no juice behind me. Now, I go in with a big producer director and a big showrunner producer it's a bigger deal you know yeah. so uh, i may still do that you know i'd love to uh, i'd love to create a show i i mean two real and actually i did sell a show in 2003 but the whole project just went away and it was based on one of my best friends who's in the hospital right now he had a stroke but he was the first black investigator in the Georgia Bureau of Investigations back in the 70s and 80s and has the most bittersweet and bizarre life you could ever imagine, you know. So that project is still on the burner. Uh, my play, which is which is about uh, what we do, um, how we adhere to traditions and 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 family, uh, you know, uh, habits without ever asking questions, you know, and it goes through, it talks about religion. It talks about, you know, cooking. It talks about, you know, uh, it's really funny. It's a, a, a brother and sister. The sister comes back to, uh, to the household in New Jersey uh, where the brother is living, but it was the father's house and the brother is living in the cellar, which many Italians do, yes. you know, and, and the father has just died. So uh, it's called under construction. And the subtitle is uh, the subtitle is a play in seven sacraments because each scene on the uh, upstage uh, center wall there's a rear projection and each scene is preceded by the catechism definition of a particular sacrament okay. and so the scene either directly or metaphorically connects with the idea of that sacrament. That's so uh, awesome. Oh, yeah, I, it's pretty... I could see that. All right. Well, it's going to be in America. <laughs> well, you know what? Send me your email. I'll send you the play anyway, so you can read it sometime when you have. Uh, oh, yes, you're at please. The beach. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, I'm in lockdown right now. I'll, I'll read it. <laughs> okay. 
got nothing else to do except interviews right now. So perfect. (laughs) Please do. That'd be awesome. We'll exchange emails at the end. (laughs) Okay, great. Now, I think we should, uh, I kind of want to see how good your competitive side is now, Peter. What do you think about playing a game and seeing if you can beat Kenny? I don't know if I can beat Kenny, but I'll play. (laughs) Well, I know you want to get to your happy hour drink, so it's only a quick two-minute game. and. It's called the two-minute hot seat. It's quite legendary here on Rave It Up. And what it is, is I ask you various questions and you just have to pick your preference. So it's like dogs or cats, singing or dancing. Okay. And you have to answer as many questions in two minutes as possible. Oh, baby. Okay. Yeah. And then when we we finish, we'll see where you sit on the leaderboard up against everyone else. Okay. I'll give you a bit of an idea. Kenny answered 46 questions. Wow. Yeah. Try to beat him. That's awesome. Yeah. He actually already thinks you will beat him because he's like, oh, Peter, he's fast. He might beat me. (laughs) He's a smart man. (laughs) All right. Are you all ready? Sure. The tenseness. I could feel it. (laughs) I need a drink. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. iPhone or Samsung? I'm sorry. Uh, iPhone or Samsung? Uh, Apple or Android? Android. Rap or rock music? Rock. Rock or pop? Mm, pop. Pop or country? Pop. Beach or mountains? Beach. Beach or pool? Beach. Sun or rain? Rain. Skiing or snowboarding? Skiing. Uh, comedy or action? I'm, I'm sorry? Comedy or action? Action. Blondes or brunettes? Oh, blondes. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Sunglasses or hat? Sunglasses. SUV or convertible? Convertible. Mac or PC? Uh, PC. PlayStation or Wii? Uh, PlayStation. Clean or messy? Clean. Singing or dancing? Singing. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Italian or Chinese food? Italian. Summer or winter? Summer. Kim Kardashian or Scarlett Johansson? Scarlett Johansson. Johnny Depp or Will Smith? Johnny Depp. Mall or online shopping? What? Mall or online? Online. Cinema or home movie? Cinema. Ice cream or gelato? Gelato. Cake or cookies? Cookies. Cookies or cookie dough? Cookies. Family or friends? Family. Football or soccer? Football. Night or day? Night. Christmas or your birthday? Christmas. Straight or curly hair? Straight. Eye color blue or brown? Blue. Vampire or werewolf? Uh, a werewolf. Texting or calling? Calling. Los Angeles or New York? New York. Friday or Saturday? Uh, Saturday. TV or movies? Movies. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Snow or surf? Snow or what? Snow or surf? Surf. Harry Potter or Twilight? Uh, Harry Potter. Family Guy or The Simpsons? Simpsons. McDonald's or Burger King? Burger King. French fries or chips? French fries. Burger or hot dog? Burger. And we're out of time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I gave you a Kenny both two minutes 15 just because it's over Zoom. There's a little bit uh, of delay I always notice. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. how many questions do you think you answered in that time, Peter? Uh, 30. <laughs> Ooh. Do you think you beat Kenny? I think it's the big No, question. I don't think so. <laughs> Well, you have answered. So Kenny answered 46. Yeah. You have answered 
47. You beat him by oh. one. <laughs> I'm like so amazed. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, look at that. <laughs> Usually when someone beats them, it's like way yeah. advanced or something. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah. 47 questions puts you number 40 on the Raven Up leaderboard. One All right, cool. above Kenny. There you go. All right, Rub that in his face forever now. <laughs> That was lots of fun. It's a great way for fans to get to know you really better yeah, well sure, as well. Sure. We are getting to the end of the interview, unfortunately, now, Peter. Okay. But as a closing statement, and it was probably the most important question, knowing what you know now, what would you tell your 14-year-old self? It's going to be okay. Nice and simple. I love it. <laughs> I think it's good for all the young listeners too. It's going to be okay. It'll all work out. We all stress way too much at that age, don't we? Yes. Like, just calm down. Yeah, it'll all work out. Yeah. <laughs> and if our audience want to contact you or find out what you're up to in the future, where should they go? Where should we go follow you? I, geez, you know, I have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Look at that. You're all up to date with it. Well, you know, when I got the job on SWAT, that's what CBS said. They have Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I go, they don't have Instagram. They go, get it. And, you know, they you got to do it, you know. But so, I'll get it. <laughs> I will learn. I'm not too good. I'm not too good at it, but it's okay. It's a small sacrifice yeah. for the job, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And thank so. you so much for coming on our show today. I really appreciate your time, Peter. I know I'm thank cutting you. into the drinking time now, but <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Don't worry about that. I, you know, as long as I get those martinis in there half hour before people arrive, that's fine. I can stick them in the freezer, you know. Exactly, so. and I. <laughs> It's been I didn't wonderful. want to stop you. You were just giving me gold. That's why I was like, oh, just so good <laughs> Well, we'll do it again. We can do it again. There's plenty of other stuff, you know. Definitely. Right? There's so many other things in your career that I want to cover as well. But I was like, I'll oh, just stick to the important ones for now. All right. Well, no, this it's you're you're very sweet and it's been really wonderful. And then I appreciate, you know, the interest. Oh, thank you. And you're very, very welcome. You're, Mumford was one of my fave characters at the beginning. And I'm like, oh, why did he go? Well, tell that? everybody to tell CBS. Maybe we'll see what happens. We request him back. <laughs> but this is even better. I get actual Peter. There you something go. better than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if you want, ever want to come back on the show in the future, you let me know. If you ever come okay. to Australia, which you haven't yet, I love let to. me know. I'd love to. Yeah. Meet face to face. <laughs> when oh, that'd be all. perfect clear it up a little bit more yeah we'll wait a little while yeah, yeah. have a trip over here have a bit of a holiday i'll show you some nice well, places <laughs> I'll, I'll come and i'll come and visit alex and you know when he's down there and we'll all go you know we'll go out and have a martini yes <laughs> sounds perfect that, there's the plan <laughs> thank you for listening if you want to be the first to get every new episode, remember to subscribe to this podcast for free. Just search for Rave It Up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share it with your friends and tell us what you love the most and even let us know what you want to hear on this podcast. You can even check out the videos of our interviews on our YouTube channel, Rave It Up TV. And for more, visit our website, raveituptv.com. Now, before I leave you today, I just want you to remember that you are loved and you are beautiful. Bye.